Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you run 
this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. I got a hell of a story for you today. I want to thank all my patron members and convicts and Apple subscribers uh, for making the show run. I really do appreciate you, and I hope you're enjoying your bonus episodes and commercial-free early releases, which this week, because of the holiday, you probably won't get the commercial-free early release four or five days like you normally do ahead of time, but you will get it. So a story I want to tell today, and um, of course I've known about it since it happened, and it's a horrible, horrible story. And it goes on actually to right now. So uh, um, but I'm going to take you back. Well, let's, let me name, name it. So the, I'm going to name it Antoinette Frank. Okay, so Antoinette Frank was a black female born on April the 30th, 1971, y'all. And she lived in Opelousas, Louisiana, and with her dad and her mom at the time. Um, Opelousas, Louisiana is about 15 miles north of Lafayette. It's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes from Baton Rouge, due west down old highway 190 and it's cajun country right it, it's back then uh, and the shit certainly when uh antoinette was a kid or i'll just call her frank frank was a kid it would have really been a small town but you know it's it's got it's known for several things besides the cajun culture one of my favorites is billy's Boudin, and they call them the Boudin mafia but it's especially a meat place you can go in and get anything from Smoke boudin to regular boudin to cracklings and chicken cracklings and all kinds of stuff, pork chops, et cetera, et cetera. Now they're famous. They have like, I think, four or five locations. Um, but, you know, I, I, used, I used to go there and, and play the, their high school football team when I was in high school and all that. It's just a small, it's big city now. I mean, like, I say big city, it had like a Home Depot and stuff. But it, back then it was really, really small. So Antoinette or Frank lived with her mom and her dad. Now, um, later years in life, uh, Frank would say that her dad was physically and mentally abusive towards her and that he was a drunk, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? But stick to, stay tuned to, to what happened to dad and the end of the story. But at some point, something was shitty in the household because – uh, Frank's mama left and left her there with her dad. She's like split, splitsville. She didn't, there's no mention of her ever again. So the, uh, um, but you know, and Frank grew up and she, she was a quiet student and, 
you know, basically like a wallflower, y'all. She was, wasn't a trouble to anybody or anything like that. But she, her sole goal, her the main thing she wanted to become in life from an early age was a police officer, right? And when she was able to, she joined the youth police program in Opelousas. Um, you know, it's like the Girl Scouts or, or Boy Scouts or whatever, but it's um, for cops. And, and specifically, they you know train them things, uh, the ten codes, and and just all kinds of stuff. They they'll let them do ride alongs and teach them in the radio room and all this stuff. And and it's kind of like explorers or whatever you want to call it. Um, basically a good program for kids that are interested in being law enforcement professionals. And she did that. And, and she, you know, did it all through high school. Uh, and she graduated from high school and, um, she became a clerk for the Opelousas police department. Okay. It's cause she wasn't old enough in the state of Louisiana. You have to be 21 to become post certified y'all. And that's, Police officer standardized training, and and once you get that, you can go to any department if they'll if they'll have you, but you can't do that until you're 21. So between the ages of 18 and 21, she worked as a clerk. Right? She wanted to be a cop, and and you know she completes the youth program. As soon as she graduates, she gets a job, and she's hey she's not carrying. A badge or a gun, but hey, she's still right there involved in it. And you know, the clerks handle everything day to day from the reports to whatever, all the cop shit. All right. On her 21st birthday, she was excited and fired up about becoming a cop. Now, she didn't just want to be a local um, Opelousas Police Department officer. I'm sure they would have hired her right away. She'd been working for them for years and been through their program. But she reached outside the box, and she shot well. She shot for the highest that you could shoot for without a college degree in that in law enforcement in Louisiana, and that would be the Louisiana State Police. Now, the only th- in my opinion, the only way you can go higher is if you go um, towards federal law enforcement. And you're not getting that unless you're coming out of the military for after many years or you have a college degree. So she applies for the Louisiana State Police. Now, let me tell you about that. It's a hell of a process, okay? Now, remember, when I retired myself from law enforcement, I was at headquarters in Baton Rouge. And one of the things I would do was polygraph potential um People that they were going to hire, and and my polygraph booklet was a motherfucker. I mean, it's it's got everything from questions about your life from the time you can remember uh, the first thing you stole as a kid to the time you were applying to be in the department. But it, it's a lot more than that. It's it's a many stage process, and it takes months. Okay, so you submit your application, and then they will bring you out uh, um, if if you're meet the criteria or they're interested in you, which, and, you know, back then they certainly would have been interested in not only a female, but um, African-American female. So you, you turn in this big long thing. And then if they're interested in you, they'll start a background process, which they actually send out background investigators to your high school. They talk to your neighbors. They, they dig through everything. And now it's much more involved because they dig through your social media and all that stuff. But look, they run credit reports on you and all that. And if you pass through that part, um, then they will bring you in 
for a first oral board, and that's where you are interviewed. You know, they ask some pretty generic questions, but I don't want to give them all away, but I'll give you one example. They'll ask you, um, let's say, if you're a police officer and you're on duty with your partner and you respond to whatever at a grocery store and you see your partner steal something and put it in his pocket, what do you do? Well, of course, the right answer is you're going to call your supervisor and whatever. and, and do. But they, they'll they ask you a series of questions like that, and at the end, the uh, they'll send you out, and the board will vote and give you a number score, right? And if you if you meet the criteria, then only then then you move to the next part of the process, which is you'll have to go out and do your physical uh, PT tests, all right? And that's why I used to meet them for the first time. And when I began, was out of Jess Tech, all these applicants would show up and in their PT clothes, getting them ready to run. Well, they had to bring. Uh, that that when I got there, they were making them fill out their polygraph booklets before the PT test, and then the, the polygraphist would take them in and, and schedule appointments and all that stuff. I was like, "This is fucking redundant, right?" I mean, if you're going to do it, if you know they're going to do it, give them uh, uh, or have them turn, you know. They acted like it was a big fucking secret what the polygraph questions, what what that packing entailed. I'm like. You can cut all this bullshit out and all this time waste out. Give them that packet when they fill out their information and get it turned in that way before you schedule them for any further testing of PT or psychological or whatever. The There's certain things that they can admit to, and a lot of them would admit to in that polygraph booklet that would automatically disqualify them. Right. And, and so that way you're not wasting more time and money. So I got that changed. And um, but she would have done that. She showed up that up for the PT test and filled out the polygraph booklet and turned it in. And look, she passed the PT test flying colors. They said she was fit as fuck and, and like beat half the men that were out there. She she had been training for this. She worked hard for it. And, uh, you know, she took a polygraph evidently and passed wasn't with me that and the, after the PT test. So you, you, know, you get scheduled for the polygraph and she takes the polygraph, she passes it. And, um, the last thing you have to do, I mean, they spent all this money on you, right? And now that they're y'all, they have to get so many to get an academy class, what they call it, right? Because in half that academy class, it isn't going to make it through the academy because it's a tough shit and and it's a tough school to go through. But they, she made it all the way th- through the process into the the drug test. She passed it, but the last step is you have a psych evaluation. Now, a little story about that. When I took my first psych evaluation and they gave me this big ass, I don't know if it was a thousand questions or whatever it was. I'm like, fuck me, because I didn't know I'm half crazy, right? So I went through the psych evaluation and I answered it the way that I thought a, a police officer would answer it. And, and which is like, they have questions like, sometimes do you get mad? Well, yeah. Um, do you like to read instruction manuals? So I'll put, yeah, and I can't put anything together, right? But I figure cops like, you know, to work with our hands and shit, whatever. So I basically, I lied on mine. I, I figured out, you know, um, how I was 
they would want to hear it. And, and I turned it in and I was, had already been working. Oh, it was Southeastern uh, Louisiana university police department. I'd been working for them for six months before I had to take my psych eval for whatever reason. And the captain Todd, who was a retired trooper called me in later on. And he said, he said, Woody, we got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, um, in the history of the psych evaluation, the, the, you, have broken all the rules or you broken all the history. I said, what do you mean? He said, if you score so many points to the negative, then you fail, right? He scores so many points to the positive, then you get hired. He said, you're the first person they ever had that came back and your test score was a zero. <laughs> so they sent me back and I, then I answered it truthfully and I passed. But anyway, she has to do this, right? And, and they, you have to fill out this big psych eval thing. And then, the, you you get brought in and you're interviewed by a shrink and then they write up their final uh, evaluation on you. And usually, you know, you get that far. Most people pass. Well, guess what? Antoinette Frank failed. And not only did she fail, and I, I, I'm not sure. It was probably Dr. Kerry Rochelle that was still doing them back then. Um, I may be mistaken about that, but whatever shrink it was that she saw, they were like, uh-uh, fuck that. That bitch is crazy. Narcissistic out, you know, uh, the narcissistic is what they listed her as. Narcissistic and no way in hell you can let her be a cop because it's going to turn into a shit show. Sugar's turning to shit bad shit's going to happen, right? So they they told her, hey, look, you know what? You have failed. And and this is the reason why. Your test came back saying you're narcissistic and you have a high probability that you're going to offend and do all this bad shit. And, well, she was pissed, right? She's been working her whole life for it. So what did she do? She went out and hired a independent professional to give her the same evaluation. And of course that evaluation came back positive, right? She paid for it basically, but fuck that state police weren't having any of her. They learned in the past. If you don't listen to the shrink, you're opening yourself up for a shit ton of liability later on. Cause chances are they are going to do what the shrink says. Right. But it's not good enough for Frank. So what does she do? She takes, she starts applying to other departments. Now, she ends up applying with the New Orleans Police Department. And I told y'all in the past my story. That's where I was going to work. Uh, literally, my first day, I was going to work where my transmission blew out. And I ended up meeting the sheriff here through my friend that worked for me in my PI business. And um, the rest is history. But she went through the process. Now, I went through that same process in NOPD. It's the same thing. You go in, fill out your basic stuff. They do basic background stuff. And then you got to go in and do your PT test. And then you got to go in your physical training test. Then you got to go in and uh, do your drug test. Then you got to go in. The last step is a psych eval, right? And, and you go in and you clear through that. Then they offer you your job. And like I said, I had taken mine and, and but it did not end up following through on it for um, reasons I already stated. But she did it in, in 1994, y'all. Shit. You better believe NOPD wanted a African-American female. But they passed her, y'all. And 
she got hired. All right. Guess what? Not only did she get hired, she went to the academy and she graduated at the top of her class. Remember, I told you physically, she's a badass, right? And like really, really ripped, really, really fit, no quit in her and all that. The, um, but so she goes in and she aces all the schooling and the firearms and the PT. And hey, she's going to be a great cop. Graduate number one in her class, right? Fire. And uh, now, in 1994 in New Orleans, it was like the worst. Uh, you know, actually, uh, New Orleans was the murder capital of, of the whole United States. Now, crack was big, and it was an epidemic. And New Orleans used to be before Katrina. You couldn't go. You could be at your million-dollar home and go two blocks, and there's a project, right? Um, and New Orleans is broken up what they call wards, first ward, second ward, third ward, fifth ward, eighth ward, ninth ward. And the convicts we hear them when they're talking in prison, they're like, where are you from, the city? What ward, right? So anyway, it was horrible. Murder was every day. And let me tell you what else was, was really, really shit about it. And now I know this because it was like two years later when I applied to and went through the process. They, New Orleans Police Department, had the lowest pay of any metropolitan city in the United States of America. I mean, I, they were, I think they were making like $16,000 a year, right? And, and which is fucking nothing. And, uh, uh, and for to work in the most violent city, well, so they had a shortage, a huge, huge shortage of police officers. Now, why would you go work for NOPD uh, when they were making dick for money, right? And it's so dangerous and everything's so bad. Well, the one thing NOPD had, New Orleans Police Department had, was extra duty, okay? And that is where most officers really consider they make their money. And, um, but on, because you are, Two on, two off, three on, two off, two on, three off. So you're only working like 15 days a month. Those other 15 days a month, you can go back then. I think extra duty was probably like $25, $30 an hour. But you, they had so many extra duty positions because fucking New Orleans was so dangerous. Every store, every restaurant, every, um, every place that had any kind of customers basically had to hire a cop to sit at their door so they wouldn't get robbed and shit. And th that was appealing to me when I went through the process. I'm like, fuck, I can make a lot of money and being young and single and stupid and all that. But she goes, she graduates top of her class, Frank does. And uh, she's, you know, she's in this, the shittiest pay of the most dangerous cities, uh, the most dangerous city, uh, per capita wise in probably the world. Um, but she did well. All right. And, and she went in and look, she took a new lease on life and uh, she got her own apartment. And guess who comes back in the picture at, at this, at this time in life, the, um, her dad actually comes back in, in, in into her life. And she, let her dad move in with, with him. He was homeless. And, and, you know, some people said that Frank was always trying to fix people, 
right? And and uh, but she let her dad move into her apartment, and she was homeless. Uh, he was homeless, and she's working as as a young rookie cop, right? And uh, and she picked up some extra duty on the side, which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. And she lets her dad move back in, right? And by all accounts, shit's going good now, and she's doing great as a cop. And she was like by all accounts, she was liked by all her peers. And, and that's when she met a, a cop named Ronald Williams and he became like her rabbi. Now a rabbi y'all is Mr. Kearney Foster would have been mine. And that's a police term. It's a, it's not a derogatory religious term or whatever. And that, that's a police term like for an experienced officer that takes a young officer under their wing and brings them up, right? That um, it's an affectionate term, a rabbi. So Ronald Williams takes a liking to her, and and uh, and he becomes like her rabbi. And he even got her her first extra duty uh, at the same restaurant that he was working at, right? And you know they work like back to back shifts, so that he got her when. When he was working, she was off and vice versa. But they took care of this restaurant. Now, during this time, you know, I told you her dad had moved back in with her. And, well, guess what? One day, she says she came home and her dad was gone. So she even went to the NOPD, her department, right? And she said, hey, look, I need to make a missing persons report on my dad because he's gone. So they take it and they ain't gonna do shit with it, right? He's a grown man, and she knew they weren't gonna do shit with it. And he he's been homeless before and all that, so it really never got worked, right? The um, but she did make that report, and that's an official deal. So back to Ronald Williams, extra duty that he got her with with the Vu family, V U, y'all, and and I'm I'm sure I'm gonna mispronounce some of these names today, but the names are important it's a story that's important the um and the vu family that owned this restaurant the vietnamese restaurant they were they were working all their extra duty right well the the vu family takes her in treats her like a daughter and i mean they were like hey you know you you keeping us safe and you're doing a good job and look they fed her and you know when you're starving young cop but with an apartment and bills to pay and shit like that the um it's springtime boys the grass is green the birds are chirping and the kids will be out of school soon that makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation and we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the caribbean you don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout so this year it's time to take an international journey and of course a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone 
is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. They have like leftover food, like somebody had placed an order and didn't come through or they cooked too much or whatever. And she'd go in on her days off and and, and eat and and eat for free. Uh, um, so not only did, was she getting paid hourly, she got to eat and everything. And she's got this family, the Evanese family that's treating her like a daughter and, and everything's good, right? The um, Meanwhile, she, as a police officer, she, everybody in the community liked her and her thing was she began to work with uh, at-risk youth, you know, right, and trying to counsel them and keep them out of the gangs and shit like that. Uh, and she would even go on, believe it or not, to be recognized by the local Kiwanis Club, Kiwanis Club, and they gave her Officer of the Month for, for New Orleans Police Department, okay? Well, everything looks good, right? Maybe it's not. So while she is on duty, she gets a call about a shooting, and um, she has to go work it, and she has to go to Charity Hospital to interview one of the victims. Okay, now Charity Hospital, y'all, I've been there on on Saturday nights uh, in law enforcement capacities, and back then. It, it's no longer in existence, but back then it was considered the best trauma unit in the United States, if not the world, because 
New Orleans was so fucking violent. And this is a charity hospital. And everybody that got shot up came through there. And I was there watching willing in, they were willing to uh, gunshot victims bleeding all over and people putting people's heads through the wall and shit. And I'm sure I've talked about that on previous episodes. But she goes, like I've been so many times, you have to go interview the people and get more information, whatever. And when she goes, um, the shooting victim's name that she met was Roger Lacaz. Okay. He was 18 years old. All right. Now, Roger was a gangster. Okay. He came from a broken home. Uh, he, he had dropped out of school as, as a young kid and joined the gang. Um, it, but as a young kid, as a young teenager, he fathered three kids. Okay. And that, and how, how are you going to pay for it? Right. I mean, you got no education, you got nothing else. And you, you, I mean, shit, you can't father three kids in one day. I mean, I guess you could with three different women, but this is an ongoing process and he's got to pay for it. What does he do? He becomes a drug dealer in the gangs. Right. And, um, and he had an older brother who was a drug dealer also. Um, and his brother got shot and was paralyzed. And, and so Roger uh, took over his brother's position in the dope game and in, in the selling dope. Um, and it, that was in 1994, y'all, when, he, when Roger was shot and, and taken to Cherry Hospital. So Frank goes in the hospital, interviews Rogers, and there's immediate attraction. Um, I mean, Frank certainly knew he was a dope dealer, and, you know, but everybody's here because two people had an attraction and they screwed and made a baby, right? So the she keeps up with uh, Rogers, and when when he's released from the hospital, they begin dating. Well, a little bit of a problem, right? Now when she's in her in her young twenties, he's eighteen, gangbanger, dope dealer. Father of three kids already, and now she's going to start dating him? Well, I'm pretty sure there's a fucking ethical violation in there somewhere, right? But anyway, they, that happened, and then they really, really started hooking up. Uh, I don't know if she thought she could fix him. Like people had said, she tried to fix people all the time. and uh, But, she, I mean, she did it. And, and, and you know, Rogers loved it, right? Because he he's now he's got a cop in his pocket, and um, so they began secretly seeing each other, and according to her, they fell in love. Um, she began meeting up with with him when she was on duty. Now, I yeah, you know, I guess if you're in the heat or if you're in heat for somebody or whatever, you want to see him all the time. I guess I can remember being that young. Uh, but she starts meeting him when she's on duty in her patrol car, right? And he then began to, to ride with her in her police car while she's on duty. And, <laughs> the, I mean, it's crazy. So the then there are accounts, y'all, in that she would use her police car to pull over other known drug dealers and – then they would rob the drug dealers at gunpoint and take the drugs from them. And this is why she's on duty with her gangbanger lover. Um, 
what what happens? You know, you would think that drug dealers are going to report that shit. Well, who are they going to go report it to? You got a cop that just robbed you, right? I mean, they're like, mm, pretty sure we'll take that loss. So Rogers is living it up, and and, and they're living up. There's there was even one cop y'all that saw uh, Antoinette get out on, on a crash scene, and the the her. Unit needed to be moved, and Rogers got out of the passenger seat and even drove her police car out of the way. Right, she would tell all the officers that Roger was a rookie cadet that she was training. So, I mean, that's fucking crazy, right? Well, let me take you to March the fourth, and at one fifty-five a.m. approximately. A crime in progress call came in of an armed robbery with shots fired. And it came out as a 108 with officer down, right? So it's a disturbance, shots fired, officer down. Now, when you get that, every cop, good or bad or whatever, is going to respond and just like you would want them to do for you if that call came out and you were the one that was down. Uh, so... Everybody rolls, right? And the, the first two cops that got on the scene saw two women running from the building, and guess what? They recognized one of the women as Frank, right? And the the first cop asked, uh, Frank says, hey, where are they? And she said, they're inside. And they told her to stay put, and they entered the restaurant to clear it. I mean, to find the bad guys or clear it and you know, work, uh, find out who's down and, and what happened. Uh, so when they began clearing the restaurant, they saw the police officer, Ronald Williams. Remember? Frank's rabbi. They saw him laying face down, um, and he had been shot three times in the back and the head, and he was in his uniform that he had been wearing that day for the extra duty at the restaurant. So... You can't stop there, right? You don't know if the killers are still in the place or whatever, so you got to clear the restaurant. They're proceeding, weapons drawn, um, and they turn and come into the kitchen, and they find two more bodies, both of them who were on their knees as if they'd been praying, and both of them are shot well, the male was shot seven times. The female had been shot three times. And they're in the praying position, y'all. Super violent, right? Um, so then they're looking around. There's nobody else. It doesn't appear to be anybody else in the restaurant. They clear it, and they get out, and they're like, holy fuck. And, and they start working at this crime scene, and everybody and their brother is showing up by this time. Um it's just a really horrible situation. So they go, the detectives arrive on the scene, and they go to Frank, and she told him, she said, hey, look, um, the girl that she was with, the, you know, they saw the two females running out. Well, the girl she was with was a Vietnamese female. And she tells the detective, she said, look, this is a daughter of the owner's and, you know, she, she's in shock. You know, she, her name is uh, Vu. Uh, that's how I spell y'all. But she's 23 years old at C-H-A-V-U. 
and the cops tried it. The text tried to question her, and and she answered them in Vietnamese, uh, and she appeared to be in shock. So Frank says that, hey, look, the victims that are inside the the restaurant that are killed, they were her family members, and the um they were her brother and the sister that, and they were twenty four and seventeen years old, and she said, look, that there's another brother that's nineteen years old that's still missing. Look, the detective, if I'd have been in the detective on that scene, I'd have been, holy fuck, I, 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 got, I, I got it going on, and this is going to be a slam dunk, right? I got an off-duty cop who was in here and saw all this shit and, and, and knows these people, and you know, it's going to be a great witness, right? Well, the Frank goes on, and, and she says she and Ronald Williams worked uh, – separate shifts as security at the restaurant and that she had stopped by to eat when she heard the gunshots. She ducked for cover, but said she caught a glimpse of the shooters. And when the detective's like, okay, tell me you know, what you saw. She said, I saw three men wearing ski masks and they got away in a car. Right. And she said this was the time of the night when the, the owners would have been counting out the cash for the day. So, and robbery gone bad. This was this, I mean, she said, I work there, extra security. I know what was going on at this time of the night. You know, I stopped by to get me some food, but they wouldn't have been in the back um, counting the cash, and that's what happened. But the detectives wondered why um, Frank didn't go in to try and stop it, right? Ronald Williams was her, her homie, and her her rabbi. And then I also wonder why she didn't call it in. Uh, um, and why would the robbers execute everyone, especially an NOPD cop in uniform? Didn't really add up, right? Shit, robbers happen probably 10 times a day in New Orleans at the time. They weren't killing police officers. And generally, they robbed the places that didn't have police officers on duty, right? So it didn't add up. And, and, and look, your brother officer is dead on the ground, and you better fucking believe they're looking at everything. So, and I'm just wondering, you know, why, why didn't she do something to stop it? You know, and, and why didn't you call it in? But anyway, Frank's uh, didn't want to leave the daughter's side. Right, she was like clinging to her, and the daughter was talking only in Vietnamese. Uh, um, uh, and they just the Texas kind of thought, hey, maybe she's taking care of the girl, or whatever. And you know, she, but Frank acted like she was questioning the daughter for the detectives, right? And then the detectives standing there, there, uh, Frank evidently knew some Vietnamese, and. Uh, she acts like she's questioning her when all of a sudden, now this lady's name, the daughter's name is Chow. When Chow says in English, she says, don't you know? You were there. And this was the first time that she had spoken English, y'all. That's like the major, major red flags, all right? And then I'm going to go back for a minute and I'm going to tell you a little bit more detail about this family and, um, and these victims and I'm stopping for today because the rest of the story is too important to try to rush through. Um, so the name of the restaurant was Kim An. 
K-I-M-A-N-A-H. And it was a Vietnamese restaurant run by the Vu, V-U family in New Orleans East. And so on this night of March 4th, 1995, right, a year or so after Frank was um, became an NOP officer, the the family's in there. Uh, Ronald Austin Williams, who's a police officer, I told you, who was the rabbi to Frank, who was dead on the ground, shot numerous times. Um, and he had been working as a security guard uh, uh, there at the restaurant, naturally to supplement his police salary. And he had joined the New Orleans Police Department in 1991 and was married and a father of two. He was brutally executed trying to make a few extra dollars because he wasn't getting paid dick is it, with NOPD. He's brutally executed trying to take care of his family. And what you would have thought was a robbery going wrong. So I'm going to end there for today because the rest of the story needs to be told uh, and it needs to be told in depth because it's about to get really, really, really good. And I say good. It was bad. It's horrible. It's probably the most horrible um, case ever. And then I'll tell you how it all wraps up and everything else and what actually happened that night. So... I'm going to take a couple minutes and and talk about all this good podcaster stuff I'm supposed to say. Uh, Again, I want to thank each and every one of you, Patreon and Convicts, Apple subscribers. Uh, You know, again, I hope you're enjoying your benefits. If we owe you something, let us know. Y'all go check out the Real Life Real Crime Community app. All right. It's downloaded for free in the App Store and it has all things real life, real crime updates on cases, um, episodes, forums, chat groups, games, whatever. It's free, right? Go check it out because I'm going there first every single day before I go to do the rest of my social media. Now, I'm getting requests like probably five or six a day uh, from people around the United States and some of the world that want me to look at their loved ones, cold cases. And, but most of them are sending see me on Dateline or whatever. And they're sending it to my regular real life, real crime Facebook page, where I have like five different Facebook pages. And I don't get to all, I don't have enough hours in a day to go read all these messages stuff. Y'all, if you want to message me, message me through Woody at real life, real crime.com. That way I'll know I'll read it. That's my email through the app. Um, and remember I'm going to the app and I'm going to answer everybody in there and chat with them, et cetera. Uh, first, before I go to, to Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and everything else that I have to do. So go download it. Um, I think it's a, 18 or 20,000 people on it already. And it's, it's, you don't get censored. I got, fuck, I got put in Facebook jail this week. Uh, um, and again, for like the thousandth time. Uh, so, but go 
nobody censors that page but me. Now, on the page, you'll also find Bloody Angola, which is a podcast that Jim Chapman and I do together. You will find Real Life Real Crime Daily, which is a podcast that I do with Jim Chapman and Mike Agarvino. Uh, everything's there, y'all. So just go and download it, check it out, and I think you'll enjoy it. And y'all... I want to make it really clear, and I know y'all get this, and I'm start making it clear on the Real Life Real Crime Daily Show, that Real Life Real Crime, the original episodes, just me by myself, for now, they're going to be released, continue to be released on Tuesdays. I think that's going to move to Monday. But all the new people come to the feed, and they see now we're doing four daily shows a week, and then we have my regular show, so that's five days a week, right? And they see all the daily shows, and some of them, don't like the daily show and, and, and come from my stories, but they're sort of like, Oh, I can't find the stories anymore. Well, guess what? They're there one a week. Um, so I'll start updating y'all more on those episodes. We'll make sure we'll put it, that disclaimer on each real life, real crime daily episode, real life, real crime daily is absolute fire and love. Um, the numbers are stupid. Great. Like just, it's a whole different thing. I, I quantify it as, uh, the Howard Stern of true crime and it will bring you some really great stories and we have a lot of fun too, but I mean, true crime isn't always fun, right? So there's a lot of hard stuff to hear, but we'll bring it to you and then we give you our perspectives, et cetera. So y'all check that out if you haven't. And if you haven't, uh, take a second, go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. It helps the show in uh, bloody Angola again, yeah, go to it and Google it, look it up. Uh, uh, the stories on Bloody Angola are fire. And, and if you like real life, real crime, you're going to like Bloody Angola. So that being said, I am going to wrap up this episode and I will conclude with the hardcore stuff to hear next week on Antoinette Frank. Um, even if you think you know the story, you don't know all of it. And, and I'm going to tell you how to cow eat the cabbage. But, um, but I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. LOPA, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. Y'all, you know it's my jam. The They save lives. It's a nonprofit organization. Um, they not only help people be organ donors and recipients receive the organs they are absolutely take care of these families through the this horrible process which it's a horrible process which ends up being a hero process right i mean it's not going to happen obviously unless somebody dies um and under just the right situations and where they're able to take the organs and and give the gift of life to other people but it's it's very very important and you know i would urge you to please become an organ donor there's too many myths out there y'all about this this and that and another you can go look up um the youtube channel by uh, shane mcbride and missy jewel and they dispel a lot of these myths also lopa has their own podcast where they interview uh, heroes and heroes families and they dispel a lot of the myths it's very, very important. People are dying every minute because they're waiting on organ transplants. And 
If you want to become an organ donor, go to lopa.org, take about two minutes, fill out the questionnaire, and become an organ donor, right? And then one day, if they need you and the situation is right and you get the chance to be a hero, you will, other people will be able to go on and be alive because you became a hero, Right, and you don't have to be from the state of Louisiana. If you're nor, if you are a lifer from the Yukon, right, and you want to become an organ donor, go to lopa.org, take two minutes, fill out that that questionnaire in or whatever it is, the fill out the form and become an organ donor. Okay, and. I'm Woody Overton, you host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. You can't afford one. The court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so that's for sure. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.